0: The Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and we welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com typed with no spaces. There is an E in Grace Point. G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E lakewood.com Listen to podcasts of service from our pastor, Mike Bartolone and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point and you are always welcome. mothers who are here, and women, and young ladies, young ladies, I'd like to read Proverbs 31 to you, the part about the hymn to a good wife, I'm reading out of the message, Bible, see how small this one is, you can get it for 3.99. <laughs> here's what it says, a good woman is hard to find. None of you ladies say amen. Are you guys alive? Are you in this room? Do you know what I'm talking about today in my sermon? Women have a voice. And it's time to speak up. Time to speak up. Ladies, let yourself be known. A good woman is hard to find. And two again. Keep striking out with you guys. Listen to this one, guys. Listen to this one. And worth far more than diamonds. That way, now we got them, amen. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Never spiteful. She treats him generously all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. I got an exotic surprise yesterday. My wife made me spinach ravioli's with a new concoction. I've never had that one before. I said, this is an exotic surprise. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then with money she puts aside plant and plants a garden. First thing in the morning she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need and reaches out to help the poor. You can always say amen if you want. You don't have to sit there and not talk today. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. Amen. Thank you, Nora. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say. Thank you, one lady. Anybody else want to join? And she always says it kindly. And she keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her her husband joins in with words of praise. Amen. And many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is a woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. Adorn her with praises. How do you like the message, Bible? translation. Amen? Well, please keep Mark Schaefer, who is, you know, part of our church here, uh, and I saw him Thursday. Uh, You know, because of what's going on in, you know, in our world today, I couldn't even get in as a, you know, ordained minister. The only way I got in is through the family. I had to call the family, the brothers and the sisters, and ask permission to go see Mark. They had to put me on a list. They had to call the hospital and let them know I was coming. So I went Thursday and I got in and I was able to spend almost an hour and a half. I had to wait an hour and a half before I could see him in the waiting room because they were doing a procedure on him. And then I spent about an hour and a half with him in the hospital room in Metro Hospital. Um, I'd like to just say that Mark is in bad shape. He's alive. He's he's not. I don't think he's gonna you know check out anytime soon. But it's going to be a hard road forward. His chest is very, very swollen, almost ten times a normal-sized chest because of the impact of the crash. And he's got broken ribs, three broken ribs all in the front, and now he's having a hard time swallowing. So they're thinking maybe thinking maybe that his esophagus somehow is seared from his stomach. In the crash, it was sort of broken away. They don't know that for sure, but they're doing research on that now. So they, they did say, his brother Scott did tell me that if he didn't have a helmet, he would not be here. So the crash the crash was, I mean, his, his bike is a mangled mess. And uh, he was thrown from, you know, the motorcycle. He was stopped, and a U-Haul truck hit him about 40 miles an hour in the back. Didn't see him because he was on his phone texting. Didn't see the motorcycle in front of him. So he needs our prayers. Uh, he needs our prayers. We have to keep praying for Mark Schaefer. Lift him up in prayer. <clears throat> Scribe, who's a part of our church as well, who we all know who Scribe is, he needs our prayers as well. He had a he had a surgery uh, two weeks ago on a on a Monday at the Cleveland Clinic to put some kind of a device in his in his uh, prosthetic his leg, you know that he has cut off, some to, to give uh pulses in his leg to stop pain so he' had that device put in and he's having horrible problems with it and his his leg is his his prosthetic leg is his stub leg is all black and blue and is not healing well and he's in severe pain and he has you know pain pills to take he doesn't like to take you know the heavy pain pills but he's had it to take it take it here and there but keep scribing our prayers as well amen and uh, you probably know other people we all know other people that are fighting something so I guess our prayer lists are growing a little bit larger than usual but you know when you think of mark during the day just pray just lift up a prayer for him yeah pray that his pain diminishes his his pain is very difficult he, he has a very difficult time even talking he could barely put words out and uh, but he's you know he's there and he's they're working on him you know he's right in front he what they did is he was in ICU and he was doing well. They put him in a separate room and then he tried to go home. He got out of his bed with his IVs in his arms, pulled them out and tried to go home and fell. And when he just got to the door, he fell flat on his face. Because his bad leg that he had, a similar snow from previous, he had a bad leg that from another motorcycle accident on the right leg. That bad leg is worse than it's ever been. And uh, they they did, already did surgery on it once, and they don't know if they can you know keep it. He doesn't even know that yet. But uh, but after that fall, they put him back in ICU, <laughs> and they put him right in front of the nurses station, so he can't go nowhere. And then those two ladies sit right there, and he's right there, and they go they go like this. <laughs> So he doesn't really need straps anymore because he, you know, it's right there. It's happening right there. Amen? So, but he's getting great care. So everything is good. Okay, at this time we're going to just Miss Jennifer, you're going to take uh, the children? Mason found out he's got a mouse. See, he knows how to talk. And he talks when I talk. Huh? Francis, I don't know. How's Frances? Uh, she's recovering still. She's doing okay? To cast us off in about four more weeks, she'll be back with us. So that's good news. Maybe, maybe sooner? Okay, good. I'd we'll like to talk a little bit today about the kingdom of God is men, women, and children. And this is really pointed towards women today. So if you start let's start in Galatians three twenty eight in the New King James. Galatians three twenty eight. You're going to have some surprises today. So hang on to your stats. But this scripture says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. I mean no that's not true in this world. But we're not talking about this world. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the spirit realm. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In 2020, the World Bank did a study of gender discrimination. Listen to this. And only 8 nations earn full ranks for giving women the same legal rights as men. I said 2020, 2020, only eight nations earn full marks for giving women the same legal rights as men. Yes, you heard me correctly, eight nations. That means 95% of countries in our world today do not treat women equally in the eyes of the law. Yet since the inception, the church has championed the rights of women. While the pagan world was visiting upon women in every form of injustice and depravity known to man, the church was providing a refuge and a hope for a better future. Then the question we must ask is this. Do women in the church enjoy the same opportunities as men? Women make up more than half of the church, but account for less than 10% of its senior leaders. Up until the 1950s, there were very few women even recognized in ministry. In the Catholic church, for instance, women lay ministers are common, but women priests are not. In the American Protestant church, only 9% of senior pastors are women. 9%. See, the problem with any study or report that trumpets the rapid growth in percentages of female pastors or preachers is when you're standing from zero and any increase looks good. See, surveys reveal that women feel called to lead in equal numbers as men, yet the senior male leaders outnumber women 11 to 1. I have no problem with that. I've had an associate pastor. I had several associate pastors who were women. And my wife and I co-pastor. That's what I love so much about the Four Square Church—they recognize women as pastors. Who was our founder? She was a woman, Amy Sample McPherson. Amen. In the ninth, early 1900s, but that's that's not in all you know places. Not even in our own city. There's, I, like I said before, there are places in our city where the woman can't even touch the the pulpit. They can't touch it. And if they even if they she wanted to speak, they tell her to go in the basement to speak and she couldn't touch the pulp bring a pulpit down there and touch it down there either. I wouldn't tell you what they think this thing is. They call this the sacred desk. I go It's like a piece of wood to me. See, God distributes his gifts liberally to all but the priesthood remains a male dominated club I have a book right here I brought it in for this specific reason let's see if I could find my page 39 I think is where it's at there it is this book is called The Silent Queen by Paul Ellis Why the Church Needs Women to Find Their Voice let me tell you This is what it says. I'm reading from the book. You see me reading? The Jewish view of women at the time of Jesus. This is the Jewish view of women at the time of Jesus. The Jewish view. The birth of a daughter is a loss. This is what they think. The Jews think. And most of them still think this way today. Whoever teaches the Torah to a woman teaches her lasciviousness. Sin. Man's wickedness is better than a woman's goodness. That's what it says. Right here. This book. A woman's voice is nakedness and one may not speak with her. A man may sell his daughter but a woman may not sell her daughter. Crazy. Isn't that nuts? This was the time of Jesus, when he was, Jesus was on the planet. Somebody asked the other day to me, they said, why didn't Jesus pick any females to be apostles? Because of the people of that day. They would not accept them. It wasn't his, it wasn't his opinion. He loved women. He did everything to show how much he loved women. In every, every, every place. Another one is woman's wisdom is solely in the spindle. Listen to this. Listen to this one. Blessed and this is history talking here. This is true. Blessed are you, O God and King, who has not made me gentile slave or woman. The horrid stories I have heard concerning women in the church over the years has brought great sorrow to my heart. On June twentieth. Right here in this church, we're going to be ordaining a woman. Global Kingdom Network is going to ordain a woman who is a strong leader in our community. And here are some of the things I've heard over the 36 years of pastoring from other groups of pastors in the city. Women can share, but they can't preach. I said, really? You can speak in a small group as ladies, but not in a large one. You could serve coffee, but not communion. You need a husband or some sort of make covering wrong again. You better not wear pants, and for heaven's sake, don't show any emotion. Break these rules and you'll be marginalized, silenced, and branded as Jezebel. Listen, I've been around these people. I've been around these people, these leaders. I've been around them. So many churches worry about the absence of men in their churches, but never a word about the absence of women in the pulpit. Many churches will bend over backwards to attract new men, but do little to promote the women who are already here. And since the beginning of human history, Satan has sought to thwart God's plans for partnership by promoting strife between men and women. He's still doing it today. The old liar seeks to devour and destroy, but when the true lion of Judah roars, the old imposter turns tail and flees. The Lord Jesus Himself roars against the enemies attacking His daughters in Christ. And when the righteous are as bold as lions, as the Proverb says, it is time for the righteous to roar the roar of the Lord. We should be roaring, men. We should be defending our women. Amen? And this is not a time to close our eyes and pretend all is well. This is a time to speak for those who have been silenced. Women who know that they are called of God will reign in this life. I love being around strong women who know who they are. I mean, the biggest intercessory groups in this city and across this nation are are, are run and led by women. And without them, we'd be men most miserable. Such women do not need men to advance. They only need to receive their confidence from their Heavenly Father, and they cannot be shaken and be able to prosper in everything she does. To every woman in this room and every person in this room, you have a voice. Amen? God has given each one of us a song, a story, and a message. And God has written it in your members and weaved it into your story. And the world needs to hear what you have to say. The world needs to hear what you have to say. And I am convinced that God's love and His grace will give you the confidence to speak boldly. And may His song be in your hearts and His praises be on your lips. I love it when some women in our church speak out and during worship, Oh, you Lord, you're worthy. I won't say who that lady is. But she does it well. She speaks it out. She's not ashamed to use her voice. So may your testimony bring hope and freedom to many. To all the men here today and those hearing me, we need to hear what God is saying to us through the women in our lives. I don't do anything unless I confer with my partner. Because I have learned that if I don't confer, I'm in trouble. Amen? Except for one flesh. And we will be blessed if we do. I don't know if you notice, noticed, but the Bible is not a me book. It's a we book. It's not a me book. It's a we book. When you study and go through all of Paul's letters, who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, highlighting corporate words like we, you, and your, and you will hardly find a verse that does not reference our togetherness. Even in the creation story, we see our union with God. Let us make man in our image. As in the natural, so in the spiritual. See, God designed you to be connected to Him so that together you might release His life, giving blessings to others. And if this sounds different, here's a word that may help. Koinonia. Koinonia. The word is found throughout the New Testament and it is usually translated fellowship. But koinonia is about living joyfully out of our connection with Christ and each other, His body. Living joyfully. Amen? And it's the recipe for abundant life that flows from the fullness of His love. It's the freedom to know and be known, to give and to receive love, and to live love. Can I, I just tell you, live a life being loved. Being loved by, first of all, your God in heaven, Father. Your Father God who loves you deeply. Koinonia is about being blessed in our togetherness. Let's turn to Psalm 133. Psalm 133 in the New King James. I know it by heart, but I'll read it. Just like Jesus knew Lazarus was coming out of the tomb. But he still stood there and prayed to the Father because he wanted everybody to know that the Father answers our prayers. Amen? In John chapter 11. But here's Psalm 133. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen? Brethren, to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head. Running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. And here is the best of the best. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. See, the Bible champions the role of women. It honors female pioneers and leaders. Jesus began his earthly ministry by listening to a woman in John 2. How many know who that woman was? His mother, Mary. She told her son, we're out of wine. They have no more wine. And at first Jesus seemed reluctant to help women. He said, why do you involve me? My hour has not come. But Mary, his mother, didn't argue with her son. She just turned to the servants with a smile and said, Do whatever He says. She knew who was in charge. Amen? Jesus told the servants to fill some jars with water, and wine came out, and that was the first time Jesus publicly revealed His glory. Do you see, by choosing to reveal Himself in response to her words, the Son of God effectively made Mary a part of His ministry he heeded her. He followed her lead. And then he made sure that John recorded the story so that we would never forget it. Amen? Is it important to obey your mom? Jesus did. Huh? Did he argue with his mom? What did Mary do? Whatever he says, you do it. And you'll have your wife. And Jesus encountered all sorts of women, good and bad. Yet unlike the rabbis and the atheists, he never diminished their humanity. Instead, he treated every woman he came in contact with, good or bad, kindly and with respect. Including the women and all that he did, Jesus provided us a prophetic picture of the kingdom come. He showed us the world as it was always meant to be. To see how Jesus treated women is to understand what God thinks of women. Jesus refused to conform to the culture hatred of women. I read to you what the culture hatred of women was in Jesus' day. In his day. But Jesus refused to conform to that culture of hatred in his day. Instead, he empowered and elevated women. And he did this at least eight ways. Number one, Jesus welcomed women. In the first century Israel, women could not enter the best parts of the temple. They had to sit apart in the synagogue by themselves, isolated. If a woman wanted to approach God, they needed a male priest to show the way. No man, no God. Then Jesus came preaching the gospel of grace. A message of unrestricted access and inviting all to draw near let's go to Matthew 11 I'm going to read to you Matthew 11 in the message Bible I like it there better you know with all the choices we get in America today you know you can go to Longhorn and get a good steak or out back and get it. everybody gets to choose that's why I have different translations of the Bible because I can get to choose what I like and what it says. This is Matthew eleven, twenty eight. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's my wife's deal. She'll tell you how to rest. Amen. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced. Unforced. Unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll, you'll live to, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Jesus received all who came to Him, whether male or female, whether young or old. Whoever, in John 6, 37, He says, whoever comes to Me, I will never drive away. And He went to Samaria to chat with a disreputable woman who became a citywide evangelist. He went to Bethany to spend time with Mary and Martha. He even preached in a woman's court at the temple. Now you know why they wanted to kill Jesus. Because he didn't conform to their culture. And we as believers should not be conforming to this world. We're in the world, but not of it. Because the world is not in favor of what we believe in. Before Jesus showed up with the message for women, there was a message that said to them, You are not worthy. Say that, ladies. But Jesus proclaimed a message, a better message. That's why we have a better covenant. Your heavenly Father loves you. Draw near. And it was the dawn of a new day for the women of His day. The kingdom of God had come in Jesus. Another thing, another way that Jesus... Jesus talked to women. In biblical times, women were not supposed to talk to men who weren't their husbands. The religious leaders of Jesus' day taught that if a woman was caught talking to a man, she would burn in hell for all of eternity. If you ever want to know where the hell burn and eternity concepts come from, it's from Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders who hate people. Wrong, Jesus said. Jesus preached the end of religion. God hates Religion. One of my last series, you can get those series on Anchor FM podcast. Jesus not only spoke to women, He physically touched them and befriended them. Jesus defended women. After the crippled woman was healed, she found her voice and began praising God. Long years of bondage had come to an end, and by the grace of God, she was made whole. And I like to think that Jesus led the assembly in the joyous celebration. Perhaps He took the woman by the hand and danced with her. Heaven had come to earth. The synagogue ruler was offended by this Jesus who spoke to women and healed on the Sabbath. Nor did He appreciate hearing a woman's voice in a synagogue. When the woman with the issue of blood violated the rules regarding ceremony and cleanliness, Jesus did not condemn her for her ritual impurity. He called her daughter, and he sent her away in peace. Jesus showed men how to defend and speak up for women. Jesus opposed wife dumping. That's a nice way of saying, if you don't like your wife, divorce her. Jesus opposed multiple wives. And there's still people today in our society, a religion that allows men to be married to up to 12 women at one time, even in our culture, even in our world today. Jesus told stories about women. Jesus discipled women. Jesus commissioned women to preach the good news. I mean, that's all good news. In Galatians 3:28, the Message Bible, it says this: In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. And that is, we are all in common relationship with Jesus Christ. Male privilege has no place in the new creation. All people, regardless of race, status, or gender, are equally valued in the family of God. Amen? Amen. And although men and women are biologically different, they are equal in grace. Can women preach and lead and do all the things men do if they are equal partners? Why not? I have a friend. I have a lady friend who... She was a real powerful lady, even in Foursquare. She was a... Superintendent, I mean a supervisor. And I knew her very well. And I asked her, I says, why don't you get up and preach more and do this? Why don't you speak more? She's, even though she was appointed by the Four Square Church to be a spokesman for the ladies, for the women of our generation, she was still afraid to speak. There still was a stigma on her. And she was powerful. A powerful leader. Jesus said, Mike, I just can't do it. I said, you're appointed to be free. To lead. To lead as a pastor. To speak as a woman in authority. You oversee over 30 churches in Foursquare. You have a voice. See, because in Christ, there are no second class citizens. We are all sons of God, even the daughters. Our roles are determined by our callings, not our gender. And those who have been qualified by God should not be disqualified by men. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read to you out of the NIV. Romans 12, verse 6. Just this little Bible here. Thin. Li- I-, I love thin lines because they're small. But when you get a small thin line... You get small print. (laughs) When I type at my age, I like twenty-eight points. (laughs) Romans twelve six. Romans twelve six. It says three, four, five. Can't even see the numbers are so small. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's, now when it says man's, it's male and female there, okay, just so you know. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him or her use it in proportion to his or her faith. If it is serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let him or her encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him or her give generously. And if it's leadership, let him or her govern Diligently, if in its showing mercy, let him or her do it cheerfully. Paul wrote these words to a church of active women. Among all the apostles, there was no greater encourager of women except maybe Peter, who wrote First Peter 4:10 and 11. And as a Jewish man, Peter had been raised under the old law-keeping covenant. The old covenant was racist; Jews are special and sexist, and men are privileged. But the new covenant is neither. That's why I tell you, you can't stay in the old covenant, you're going to get in trouble. If you continue to go back to it, you're going to get in trouble. When you go back to the old covenant, get your nuggets out and run as fast as you can. Because it will pull you down. It will take you the wrong way. After being with Jesus, Peter understood that gender distinctions were irrelevant to the ministry of the Spirit. And Peter and Paul made an intriguing team. While the former was encouraging women to speak, the latter was arresting them for doing so. And then Paul saw the light, the incredible light, the hallelujah light, in Acts 9. And he was knocked off his horse and blind for a long time. And he began singing from the same songbook like Peter. Paul believed in the Koinonia fellowship of all believers. And they, like Jesus, understood that the body of Christ needs every part, male and female, to function properly. Listen, the body's not not whole without male and female. I mean, And I believe there needs to come a bigger revelation of that even in the church today. Especially in the mega churches. Even in the mega churches. So if we need to see it, I'd like the worship team to come. So as a church, you know that we are a church that believes in women to have a voice. Amen? And hey, when you're set free by the Spirit, you're different. You're not like the others. And there's a lot of people that are born again but not Spirit-filled yet. They just haven't taken that extra step to get filled. To receive God's love, you know what I mean? They need it. They need it. God is the answer. Because the Gospel... I mean, that lady in John 4 who got touched by Jesus went back to her city. She didn't even have a name in the Bible. But she won the whole city. Brought them all out to see Jesus. She was irreputable. Nobody wanted to even be around this kind of Samarian woman. And yet when Jesus touched her, she became the biggest evangelist of Samaria and touched her whole city. And many were saved. Many were touched. Many were made whole by the power of God. So, I'd like to end today. If if you are a lady, a woman in this room, and you want special prayer, because you need confidence and boldness to speak, I'd like to pray with you to receive that confidence and boldness. So your voice can be heard. Our culture needs your voice. Each one of us has a story. Each one of us has a message. Each one of us has a song to sing. Even in praise and worship, that's what I love about praise and worship, we get to express ourselves together. That's why we leave our children in here too. We want them to see what it's about. We don't want to keep isolating them. Too many churches isolate everybody. You can't grow in isolation. Try isolating a plant. Put it over by itself. Don't feed it. Don't water it. Don't talk to it. See what it does. It dies. Nobody can grow in isolation. We have to be together. Amen? We have to receive together. Pray together. Pray together. Amen.